Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. For most of us, nighttime is sleep time. But for many of us, that memo hasn't reached our bodies yet. Instead of drifting along on the mists of slumber, we're up streaming old television programs, listening to audiobooks, raiding the refrigerator, or reading the latest thriller. We can't sleep. A good night's sleep? What's that? Here to offer some help for the sleep challenged among us is well-rested Dr. Jennings, who joins us via Skype. Dr. Jennings, how? Please tell us how to get a good night's sleep. So as we talk about sleep, the first thing we have to talk about is is we have to help people understand what normal sleep is. Mm. The first problem in people getting good sleep is that I will tell you well more than 90% of my patients don't know what normal sleep is. Mm. Most people think that normal sleep is this. You fall asleep at a certain time, like say 10 o'clock at night, Mm -hmm. and you sleep solid straight through for seven to eight hours, and you wake up the next morning at six in the morning. (laughs) That's what most people think normal sleep is. That is not normal sleep. No human brain on earth does that. Mm -hmm. Normal sleep, you actually go through different sleep stages through the cycle of sleep. It starts with a very light stage one sleep, and this is when on Thanksgiving afternoon, grandma falls asleep on the couch, and it's snoring and you go, Hey grandma, you're snoring. And she goes, Oh, I wasn't even asleep yet. Okay. <laughs> this is when you enter that light stage and you don't think you're actually asleep. But if you're looking at the brain waves, they've, they've left alert consciousness and they've entered that first light stage of sleep, which only usually lasts a few minutes. And then you go into a stage two sleep is a little deeper. And then you go into a deep, slow wave sleep. That's where your body temperature falls. Your heart rate falls. If you've exercised, that's where your muscles rebuild. Okay. And then that's followed by REM, rapid Mm -hmm. eye movement sleep. That's where you do your dreaming. Mm -hmm. And then you wake up. And then you go stage one, two, deep sleep, REM, wake up. Stage one, two, deep sleep, REM, wake up all night long. Mm -hmm. From the time you enter that stage one to the time you wake up at the end of a REM cycle is anywhere between 70 minutes and 120 minutes. So a little over an hour to two hours. When we're young or really physically exhausted because we really did a lot of physical labor, those wake-ups at the end of a REM cycle may only be 3 to 15 seconds, just enough to wake up, shift, turn in the bed, and you're right back into stage one, and you have amnesia mm-hmm. for the wake-up. So you wake up the next morning thinking that you didn't wake up at the night, but you had multiple wake-ups in the night like every human brain. <laughs> now, as we get older, we wake up, and we have a bladder call to the bathroom. <laughs> yes. And we go, oh, I'm not sleeping good. I'm waking up multiple times a night. And we think, oh, I, and then we begin worrying. Well, I sleep through the night. I'm tired of waking up the night, blah, blah, blah. And on it goes. And then we buy over-the-counter sleeping aids to try to make us sleep because we think we should sleep. And the over-counter sleeping aids, almost all of them worsen sleep and cause architecture structure changes. And many of them can cause memory problems. And then you can wake up feeling groggy the next day because they have a hangover effect. So you don't feel as well rested. And so that reinforces the idea that you're not sleeping well because you're tired. So you take more sleeping meds and uh, this is a reinforcing negative cycle. So first thing I do with my patients, I educate them on what normal sleep is. And as long as you're able to get back to sleep in a reasonable amount of time, 
There is no need to medicate, and you simply need to stop worrying and take the anxiety and go, it's okay, I'm allowed to wake up. I'll just get back, turn over, back to sleep after I go to the bathroom. No big deal. I'll even go further and tell you something most people don't know about the history of the human race. Prior to electricity, and still in parts of the world today where they do not have electricity, the way the vast majority of humans slept was in two bouts. They would go to sleep shortly after sunset, sleep three to four hours, say sunset is at 6 p.m. at the equator, or in the wintertime in North America, it's at 5, 6, 7 p.m. You go to sleep and you sleep three to four hours till 10 or 11 o'clock. And then they would get up, turn on the lamps or the, or the lights, do something till one or two in the morning, go back to sleep for another three to four hours and get up around five or six in the morning. Hmm. And they would have the first bout and the second bout every night. And that's how the human race naturally sleeps until electricity. When electricity came, that first bout was pushed back to about nine or 10 o'clock because Hmm. we stayed up. And then people started having this false conclusion that normal sleep is a solid block of seven to eight hours of salt sleep. It's not. So I have a couple of patients that actually still sleep in the first bout and second bout and do about three hours in the middle of the night and they're up and they're perfectly healthy and they don't need medication to do anything about that. So first thing in understanding sleep is to be educated on what normal sleep is and stop worrying about your sleep if it's normal and you're having wake-ups and you're able to get total hour. You need five of those REM cycles. Five REM cycles end up, for most adults, between seven and eight hours of total sleep time each night. Nighttime sleep is healthy for us, sleeping during the night hours and being awake during the day hours. If you get seven and a half hours of sleep during the day hours and you work night hours, it's not as healthy. There is a consequence to that. You will have more health-related problems. And if you do that for many decades of your life, typically you'll lose about seven to 10 years of life doing that. Because even if you get the total hours of sleep, you're out of rhythm, circadian rhythms that the rest of your nature and body works on, and there's a price to pay for that. There are those who think, you know, I shouldn't take a nap during the day because that will ruin my sleep at night. Is that true? It depends on the person. For some, that can be true. For most people, a short nap of uh, 15 to 30 minutes can actually be healthy. If you look at the brain circuits that drive sleep, there is a couple of nuclear clusters in the brainstem that work like a seesaw. One's a wake generator, one's a sleep generator, and they work like a seesaw. So the wake generator's on, the sleep generator's off, and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And the wake generator comes on in the morning, and throughout the day, the sleep generator is slowly moving up in the wake generator, but there's a little dip that happens, circadian dip that happens in most human brains around between 1 and 3 p.m. every day. And I say between, because it could be 1, it could be 2, it could be 3. It doesn't last for two hours, but it's a little dip for for a period of 20 to 30 minutes where where your sleep generator kicks on and your wake generator drops a little bit, and you'll get this kind of little urge to want to take a nap. That's why a lot of cultures have siestas, okay, a little afternoon nap. It's times of that circadian rhythm. So 15 to 30-minute nap in the afternoon during that time is not unhealthy as long as you're not having impairments of sleep at night. It can actually be helpful for you to adapt. With all that being said, you have normal understanding now. What can you do to actually help yourself maintain good sleep and establish good sleep? Establish sleep routines, meaning that you have established a lifestyle where you go to bed and get up in the same 60-minute window seven days a week. You don't do anything different on weekends and weekdays. Mm-hmm. This is your go-to-bed time within this 60-minute window, and this is your get-up time at this 60-minute window. And that's when you do, and your body establishes a circadian rhythm, and all kinds of things happen that are really good for you on a 24-hour cycle that is really anchored in your sleep. So establish sleep-wake routines. Ensure a very comfortable bed and pillow. Believe it or not, it's surprising how many people sleep physiologically on something that's uncomfortable and that thus their body is waking them up. Mm-hmm. Sleep in a room with a cool temperature. You will sleep better. 
establish a sleep environment that is conducive to sleep. No bright lights. If you have a light that's brighter than moonlight, it will interfere with sleep in your room. A nightlight in your room brighter than moonlight will interfere with sleep. And studies on elderly folks showed that they had memory and mood problems related to the amount of bright light in the room. Dropping the light down caused them to not only sleep better, but it helped their cognition and memory and mood mm. because of the benefits to the brain function of normal sleep. Yeah. A quiet environment or a predictable white noise machine, rain machine, sound machine, if you live in an environment there's a lot of noise, using a, a sound machine that you entrain your brain like a sound of rain or, or a fan or something like that can also be um, very helpful to help sleep. Don't eat a heavy meal before going to bed or go to bed seriously hungry. Avoid stimulants. The closer to bedtime, the worse. Stimulants like caffeine, chocolate, caffeine-containing medicines – especially if you're having sleep problems. And even caffeine in the morning, like a cup of coffee in the morning, if you're having sleep problems at night, you should drop out the caffeine until your sleep normalizes and reassess. Not everybody metabolizes caffeine the same. And so a cup of coffee or a caffeinated tea, like a green tea in the morning, can sometimes interfere with sleep. So cut out the stimulants if you're having sleep problems. Have a quiet time to unwind at night. Turn off the devices and uh, and move them to a do not disturb setting mm -hmm. so that you're not being awakened in the night. Don't look at a lot of bright light or blue light. Blue light makes you awake. So using a screen that has blue light, this is why a lot of the smart devices now, right. they have a night setting. If you notice the color changes, yes. they're dropping the blue light out. Yes. yes. Okay. So get regular exercise, but not immediately before bed. Regular exercise in the day causes your body to make certain chemicals that help you relax and sleep at night. Don't train yourself to be alert in bed by using the bed for activities that make you alert, like this is your entertainment center where you play your, your video games and watch your exciting ball games and, and so forth. So you've trained yourself that this is where you get all excited for the activities that you enjoy in life. No, bed is for intimacy with your spouse and for sleep, and then you don't do other activities there. Mm -hmm. If you go to bed and you're one of these people who, as you're trying to unwind to go to sleep, you begin thinking about the stuff that you need to do the next day and you're afraid that you might forget it and you don't want to forget it. So you're trying to hold on to it and stay alert. You don't want to fall asleep completely because if you do, you might forget that and you need to do it the next day. Then I recommend you put a notepad with a pen right next to your bed. And if something pops in your mind, just reach over, write it on the pad and you know it's there and you don't have to stay awake to try to hold on to that idea. Many of my patients found that to be quite helpful. Really? Deep breathing, slow, deep breathing in through the nose, out through the mouth. As you activate your breathing this way, it actually helps calm you. In our body, we have two autonomic nervous systems, the sympathetic, which is your fight or flight. That's if you're threatened, your heart rate goes up, your blood pressure goes up, you release adrenaline, okay? And your parasympathetic, that's your sleep, your digestion, and so forth. They're like seesaws also. When you get very frightened, then your hunger, your ability to digest food goes down. Blood is shunted out of your intestines and, and digestive organs into your muscles for fight or flight. Conversely, when you activate your parasympathetic, your sympathetic, your stress goes off. And so deep, slow breathing is part of the parasympathetic system, and it can help activate that system, which can calm down the adrenaline circuitry and help you be able to fall asleep. And then if you've done all these healthy things, good sleep hygiene, all the things we've talked about, and you're having sleep trouble, you might consider getting a medical evaluation because there's lots of medical conditions like a hyperthyroid, thyroid out of control that can interfere with sleep. And so getting that taken care of and women going through menopause classically have sleep issues as the hormones are shifting and so forth. So getting a medical evaluation 
And then there are sleep conditions like sleep apnea. And sleep apnea is when your soft tissues like your tongue or tonsils cover your windpipe when you fall asleep and you can't move air and your oxygen levels fall in your blood. And as you're suffocating, your brainstem alerts you that you're suffocating. So you wake up just enough to tighten up the musculature in the back of your throat. So you get a breath of air and you're in and out of this light stage of sleep all night. You never go through the deep stages of sleep and you'll be fatigued and tired and have headaches and might have mood problems. And this is very treatable with CPAP machine. You probably know people who've right. got CPAP right. machines and yeah. keeps the airway open so they don't have this problem at night. Listener, if you have ever had a problem sleeping and you ask God to please help me sleep and you're listening to this program, he just answered your prayer. God has brought information into your life via Dr. Jennings here to help you get that good night's sleep, to help you answer that prayer. And if you want more information on this and a lot of the things that Dr. Jennings says on this program... You can stop by comeandreason.com for the resources he has made available there. Again, I, I can't stress this enough that Dr. Jennings and his website may be God's answer to you for many of the prayers that you have and living your life and, 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 and surviving in this world and understanding God's character. God is answering it through this humble servant and uh, through his website, comeandreason.com. I invite you to stop there and check it out. Dr. Jennings, as always, thank you so much for your guidance. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills and Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you not only a good night's sleep, now you know how to do that, we're also wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. <music>